Hello, everyone, and welcome to your second episode of the Marginally Offside podcast. I'm Luke, and yet again, I'm joined by Dan. Hello there. And Alex. Hello. In the week after Dan predicted Sheffield United not to go down, England has entered lockdown. But of course, um, elite football is allowed to continue, and we will be able to get our Welling versus Dover Athletic fix, as it does, of course, count as elite football. However, what a week it has been in the world of football. Yesterday, Liverpool slipped up against Southampton, whereas Manchester United won, meaning they are now joint top of the Premier League um, with a game in hand. And, and Dan, you've got to be absolutely buzzing about that. I, I don't think anyone expected this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I'd like to just have a, a quick reference to the Oli Out crowd. Uh, where are you now? Absolutely disgraceful. That, that was even a, even a movement uh, on uh, Twitter. I don't think they're all United fans anyway. But yeah, so it's a great position to be and we're... we're it's not going to get carried away yet because we've got to go and beat Burnley away and, you know, increase that gap. And then we've got Liverpool on the 17th, um, which is now shaping up to be a huge game. And I'm absolutely gutted uh, we can't be in the stands for that because that would yeah. be be quite the occasion. But yeah, it's it's a nice position to be in. I'm not going to get giddy yet and talk about 21 because we're a long way off. But it would be nice if we uh, capitalised on this momentum and went and signed uh, another Bruno-type sort of player. Someone could come in and hit the ground running. I mean, I this this be great. this season is has been absolutely crazy. Even in contrast to last season, you know, Manchester United versus Aston Villa. You know, that's that's a good result beating Aston Villa. You wouldn't wouldn't be thinking you'd be saying that last season. Um, but everything is switching like crazy. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you had Chelsea being challengers for the title and Arsenal being candidates for relegation in the words of Sam Allardyce, but. Now you've got Arsenal three points behind Chelsea and Frank Lampard obviously at, at risk of losing his job. It's just crazy how, how quickly things can switch. And, you know, maybe Dan's prediction is right and Sheffield United can turn it on and can stay up because we've seen how crazy things are and how quickly things can go from zero to hero. But all I'm and, saying is is the odds on Sheffield United to stay up are, are getting better by the day. Um, obviously, really? Yeah. I mean, as in for the for the people better. The oh, gap yeah. has got bigger. Yeah. As yeah. In, as in... I thought you meant better, as in like you know. Oh no, shorten. they're probably more likely to go down yeah. now, obviously. But I still, I, I still cling to this hope that the, like Alex said last week, you're not going to need 40 points to stay up this year. I don't think it could be, it could be a fair bit less. So, um, I think the only thing that chance. kills you, I think the thing that kills your Sheffield United fairy tale is after Newcastle, the next three are, uh, Le- is it Leicester, Man United, Man City. They could be about six wins adrift by the end of that, and yeah. I mean, but I'm but not less... sure you can bet against that. <laughs> but but against the bigger teams, especially last season, they did turn up. Against us this season, they were very unlucky. Um, I don't think they've actually played that. Like I said last week, I don't think they've actually played that badly, and, and probably do deserve to be on more than a solitary or two points mm. now. Um, you know, in both those games, they they got points from they they should have won, um, and it's. It's it's sad, really, because Chris Wilder is obviously one of the most liked managers, almost well-liked managers in the division. Um, but as you guys said last week, the, the longer it continues, the more chance there is of him getting sacked, which is a shame. But I guess that's football. Yeah, well, Lee Smousset obviously picked up three points. Um, on his, so his licence, yeah. So he's now second bottom of the Premier League, <laughs> above Sheffield United. Um, one thing I will say is last night Southampton were, you know, absolutely excellent. Um, I mean, you look you look at the stats, um, and it, it doesn't really show, but they were they were tactically 
genius last night. I mean, I know I looked at the expected goals and I think 0.36 to Southampton and 1.64 to Liverpool. I think that in some ways shows the expected goals is a bit um, flawed because uh, Southampton just defended excellently, set up to play the game right and they tactically outclassed Liverpool. But, Hassan Hutel outclassed Klopp. But just thinking about that, who would have thought that a year ago when they got battered by Leicester 7-0. I mean, that's... 9-0. 9-0 even, yeah. That's kudos to the Southampton board to stick with him. Um, and you wonder whether many other clubs would have done that after that result, to be honest. And to be honest, they're reaping the rewards. So, but back to the result, a fantastic result for, for me personally and for, for United. But Liverpool, Liverpool seem to be struggling to put the ball in the net at the minute, which is not something I'd ever thought I'd say with a front three that is amongst yeah. the best in Europe. Are Liverpool struggling a bit for money? Because, I mean, Firmino's been off. Um, obviously, he does a lot off the ball, and you know, but he's he's been off form for a long time. And, you know, you're a centre forward in, in the best Liverpool team, one of the best teams in the Premier League history, and you're struggling to find the back of the net, whereas your wingers are, you know, banging left, right, and centre. But one thing that did come out of last night's game is Trent Alexander gave the ball away 38 times, which I, I think is the highest this season. You think for a player of his calibre, that's completely off off the record. But I think he, he does have that in his game. But that, that's also a sign that Liverpool as a whole could be struggling. He's he's not finding the passes he'd usually find. Well, he got hooked, didn't he? I thought he was very, very poor yesterday. Um, which is, again, it's one performance. OK, the, the entire Liverpool team has been out of form for, what, three games now, probably? Three or four games? I mean, there's no, there's no doubting that Trent Alexander-Arnold is on on form, one of the best fullbacks in Europe at the minute. Um, obviously, he's allowed a couple of bad games. They've they've been exceptional for two or three seasons now. Um, is he only one of the best in Europe? Does he not compare to the fullbacks they've got in the old Chinese Super League? Oh, okay, fine. One of the best in the world. Then, if you're going to be pedantic about it, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's tough because Trent Trent has come into the team at a young age. Um, he didn't start off brilliantly. And then he's 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 uh, he's got to a level where now he's judged on that level week in week out, which is only right. He's one of the best in the world for a reason. Um, but yeah, he was poor yesterday. And to be honest, the entire Liverpool team were poor. Mane looks a third of the player he has been for the last three or four seasons since he was at Southampton. Actually, he's, he's looked worse um, this season. Salah, I'm not sure his head's in it. Um, obviously, there's been talk about him going. Firmino. Last season, he was he got off a lot because you know he's a defensive striker and all this sort of stuff. But crucially, he's still a striker. His job is to put the ball in the back of the net. Yes, he may have some other roles and duties as well in the clock formation. But um, at the end of the day, he's mm. in the team for score goals. He's not playing at centre back. Um, I think yeah, I, th- I think as well that they're really struggling for centre backs. You know, Henderson and Fabinho were there last night, but. They're not going to be able to spend big this winter. They weren't able to spend big in the summer because they just haven't really got the resources in the but they current economic climate. I they mean, have they have to, to but have to. how can you can't get a decent centre back these days under like fifty million pound, and they just don't really have that. But what Liverpool argue that is selling players and then reinvesting that money. If Salah's got, I don't know how long Salah's got left on his contract, but if he wants to go. And you can get good money for him. Obviously, at the minute, that's unlikely given the pandemic and whatever. But needs must. And this, uh, I've had a long debate with Liverpool fans about whether this team can be one of the best in Premier League history. I think to be in that conversation, you've got to retain the league. 
and there are no more challenging circumstances currently um, than retaining the league for Liverpool. They've yeah. got they've got no fit centre halves. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's no fans. If they retain the league this year, it's one hell of an achievement. I'd argue it's more of an achievement than last year. They have obviously, you know, you're talking about Salah leaving, but they've they've arguably let their best winger leave on loan to Charlton Athletic, which is a huge surprise. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, welcome to Charlton, Liam Miller. I look forward to seeing seeing if you can do anything for the Addicts after the disappointing of old Dylan Levitt on loan from Manchester United. I mean. You've got to be happy with an actual signing, to be honest. I mean, you've yeah, been, we've... You've been dark crying for one for, for months and you've you finally brought one over the line or two over the line. So Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet on Charlton. But, you know, Charlton do have a very, very good track record of improving loan players. You know, we've had Alex Song, Francis Coquelin, loads of players down the year come to Charlton and gone back better. Conor Gallagher last season. Unfortunately, Dylan Levitt I just didn't get the chance. He suffered the consequences of long COVID, which I'm personally also suffering at the minute and just couldn't get his way back into the team. But, you know, it's exciting for a League One fan to get a, a big t- a big player on loan from a big team like Liverpool. So I'm looking forward to what he can do because, you know, he's 21 and he's still at Liverpool. So he's obviously doing something right. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how the Sunderland are doing on the old on the transfer front, Alex, I'm sure you can update us, but United don't seem to be, other than Diallo signing anybody this window, which is a massive shame. I think top of the league, game in hand. You sign a player now and you're building that momentum and suddenly people are starting to seriously consider us as title contenders. And to be honest, I might start seriously considering us as title contenders if, if we go and make those or make a, a Bruno-like signing, but I just don't see it happening. Where would you need the, the Bruno... Signing Meth. for B, particularly. Oh, I don't think it's tough. I think the same impacts are you. Well, no. Crucially, we need we need a starting right winger. I know Diallo's coming in as a right winger, um, but he's played two first team games this season and made like seven first team appearances for Atalanta in total. Um, to pin all hopes on him is unrealistic. I mean, I understand Dolly wants to work with him, but this season's probably going to be in reserve team football. I hope I'm wrong. I've not seen much of him. Um, but we definitely need a starting right winger. We do need another centre-half. I know we've got so many on the books. Um, and obviously, I think getting another centre-half is dependent on Phil Jones eventually leaving and Marcus Rojo leaving. Um, and then you've got the issue of Lindelof, uh, Tuan Zabi and Bailly, who, since we had our discussion, put in a brilliant performance against Villa. He's now had two or three games on a bounce. Um, I think it's his longest run in the team since he signed, which is a, which is great. But you're always thinking he's going to get injured, so it's it's a tough one with him because I think he's our best our best centre back. He's he's agile, he's quick, um, but he's he's injury prone, and you can't rely on him, and that's the problem really. So I think you need someone who can who's quick alongside Maguire, who's who's not going to get injured every three or four games. Well, you've got to find, I think what you've got to do is you've got to find, and this is for a lot of teams. I mean, people are talking about Man United being title contenders. If they lose, if they could quite easily lose a couple of games. Now, ask it anybody. Yeah. And suddenly it's, oh, are they even going to get top four? Is it, yeah, there's four points. Fourth is on the points, same points right. as seventh. Villa, Chelsea, Chelsea down in ninth. They're only, um, I mean, I'm not saying Chelsea can win the league, but they're ninth is seven points off top. Liverpool, who everybody assume 
I mean, I was listening to a couple of, um, I think it was on Sky recently, and they were assuming that Liverpool, Manu and Man City were already nailed on for top three. And it's going to be about, you know, if people are able to make signings that can prove to be reliable and have consistent results for this last half of a difficult season, it's going to come down to that who finishes fourth. But do you actually think, do you actually think even if you... You, someone is going to have to sign a Bruno Fernandes player this month to guarantee a top four place, or do you think actually because of the amount of teams that are there, maybe that might not even be enough until I, they start dropping off? I think you know City have got a lot of players kind of returning who have been out, not been on form, and you know they're, they're also if they win their games in hand, they're, they're right up there. Um, they'll be above Liverpool. Um, be one point behind Manchester United. And I think people aren't really giving them a, an, enough respect this season. You know, they've kind of had their dip in form that you'd probably expect from them once a season, twice maximum. And now now they're finding the net, they're defending well. The players that they've signed in summer, you know, they're suddenly gelling. And I, I, honestly, personally, I, I think, you know, City have to be favourites over Manchester United to, to win the league. Uh, all the talks on Man U, but I think we need to show a bit of respect to City. I don't think City are favourites, though. I'd still have Liverpool as favourites, to be honest. Um, I think that you can't... Liverpool had two or three bad games. Um, and the difference was in previous seasons is that City were so imperious that they couldn't afford to have two or three bad games. But City are, City are a great team. and They've got a great manager and they've got great players. But they've been worse than Liverpool this year. They, they, ha- they just haven't scored as many goals, have they? Um, well, they've, they've not defended particularly well either, to be honest. I mean... You talk about them defending well recently, but the start of the season they weren't brilliant. I mean, they conceded the hunter West Brom. That's not that's not a, that's yeah, a guaranteed I'm, clean sheet for them usually. I mean, they have, they have conceded the least amount of goals in the league this season, so I think it's a bit harsh I, to I say. I don't they're think not. you can compare this to a normal normal season, though. The fact is, if Man City have been at least a game, if not now two games, behind everybody else the entire league, and you, you can talk about them looking fragile at the back and letting in five to Leicester and conceding a West Brom and not beating Leeds and thinking of all these point games that were just a definite three points in the last couple of seasons. You know, they're two games in hand. Aren't they against are they against Fulham and, and Villa or something? It's like they're top of the league. It, does, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I still think, yeah, I still think the top two this season is going to be City or Liverpool. Not, not that um, winning all your games in hand is a, is a you, you know, it's a surefire three points, but I think, I mean, they're sat in the middle between Tottenham and Southampton, but I I mean, I'd say, yeah, Man, Man City should be in the top two. Liverpool should be. Man United, I mean, they're going to lose a game soon, aren't they? Because they've been, they've won, they're unbeaten in the last 10. Yeah. So they're due a little wobble, maybe. If they're not, then they might go on and win the league, but it's far too mm. early to tell. It's a big, but, it's a big week for Solskjaer, this though, because if we don't beat City, uh, in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Um, it's another semi-final we've been beaten in. That'll be four in two years. Um, we've got the FA Cup, which realistically, if you look at it, is our best chance of silverware. I don't think the Europa League um, is going to be taken that seriously. I think it should be, but I don't think he's going to, especially if there's a title push on. But that brings you to the point that I don't think United are realistic title contenders um, because when United are bad, they're they're, they're terrible. Um, yeah. There's no there's no in between. We're either 
okay. I mean, this season we've played pretty poorly and, and ground out some results, but you play against the bigger teams and you get punished. I mean, there's a reason we lost to Spurs so heavily. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't think we're we're there yet, but progress is getting closer to those top two teams, and we're definitely closer. Um, so, as a United fan, you've got you've got to be happy and you've got to enjoy enjoy the ride really. And this season is is one hell of a ride. So, just got to see where everyone ends up, I guess. And at, at twenty five games, thirty games, I think it'll become a lot a lot more clear. You mentioned. But- Mentioned briefly, you don't think Manchester United are going to take uh, the Europa League seriously. Um, one team that you did face in Europe this season, PSG, have obviously um, we spoke about last week. Just uh, got Mauricio Pochettino, and do you think that's that's going to be a good move for them? Do you think you know finally the step towards them winning a Champions League? Uh, and do do you think they're going to go and raid the Premier League with some players? Because obviously Pochettino knows the league very well. Obviously knows his players at Tottenham well, and um, Mourinho. Mourinho may have uh, pissed one or two off, so what's he well, going to do? I think it's a great move for him. I think in terms of available jobs, it's the, it was the best available job at the minute. Um, I mean, Arsenal, everyone thought uh, Arteta was getting getting sacked, but they've they've put faith in him. Similar with Lampard at the minute, but I think the Hassan Hootel example has shown that if you give a manager time and he's got a clear vision, then then you reap the rewards. Uh, Re Pochettino, though. The obvious one, like you said last week, is Deli Ali. Um, I mean, Danny Rose has, has been not even given a squad number this season. But will he go to PSG and be a starting mm-hmm. left back? No, he won't. Um, I mean, he was he was barely a starting left back for was in Newcastle last season when he went on loan. Um, I don't think he's good enough. I don't think the PSG squad is good enough to win a Champions League. Um, they've not got the strength in depth. I mean, as much as I love Ander Herrera. I don't think he's a Champions League starting winning midfielder. Um, I think you need to improve there. I mean, Verratti is obviously is a brilliant player, but they need someone alongside him that's that's equally as good, and I don't think they've got that. Uh, defensively, they, they're they not great. I mean, we scored two past them at, at their place. Um, I don't particularly rate Kim Pembe. I think he's okay, but I don't think he's a... He's a he's a Champions League winning midfielder, uh, defender even. And unfortunately for Pochettino, the expectation there is that they win everything. And the one thing that they can't win and the one thing they keep sacking managers for is not winning the Champions League. And he's never won a trophy. So it's a big ask whether he'll raid the Prem. Um, I'm not so sure. I, mean, I think this is a bit late. I think this is a bit lazy, to be honest. When when you look at actually, there's, he's, he's spent, he spent five years building up this team and even at their peak, they weren't good enough to win a trophy. Why is he now going to go to a club that actually expect way more than Tottenham and just go, Ali's available, Ericsson's available, Rose is available, let's get him in? Because so, I, I, I think the argument there is, you know, some players just play better for managers. Like, we, we all know Dele Ali's a fantastic player and on his day he could be one of Europe's best midfielders and he's just not playing for Mourinho. I mean, obviously... Towards his latter years, he didn't play too great for Pochettino. But if if you can get him in that team and Ericsson and he can get them to the standards he's been able to get them before, you know, can, yeah, and you say, can do you big say, things. You say it's a lazy a lazy argument, but Harry Redknapp's latter years were basically he he basically took Nico Cranchard with him to every single club. I mean, 
also Mourinho's I wouldn't say that was lazy. I think that was. Yeah, I think that was something the, that he he was known to known to do because yeah, but, he was and Mourinho, comfortable. Mourinho, I think Mourinho is a bit more forward no, thinking than. But is he? I just need Defoe but, and Crouch. Up but front. is he? He's taken Alderweireld from Southampton to Spurs. Um, that was a convenient deal, right? Because he's seen how busy Wolves on road. Is Deli Ali not a convenient deal? I think I think there is, Chris, is Christian Eriksen. I didn't even mention Christian Eriksen, but is that not a convenient deal? I, th- I think Christian Eriksen's stock's fallen quite a lot, and if you're going to get the best out of, I think you only sign one of them, and I think you've got more hope in getting something out of Ali than you do Eriksen. The only thing is, is would I, I don't know? Would Ali move to to PSG on I mean, loan? I think there's every chance he moves on loan. I don't think he goes I, I'm not sure the benefit of him moving on loan, uh, unless it's one of them. Well, I, I don't know. They do a lot of those two-season loans now, don't they? Which with an option then, to buy. Sorry, with an option to buy, permanent obligation to buy. But then it's about finding the value for money, obviously more so than ever in the current climate. How much is Deli Ali worth? How much is he worth now on current form? How much is he worth his best? How much will Tottenham accept? Well, I think those three are all different answers. And unfortunately for Tottenham, if they want any money for him, they're going to have to take his current form value because he's not been good for two years. But I don't think it's a lazy argument. You've almost contradicted your own argument because the most convenient deals that he could do for for good players at the minute are ones that he used to have at Spurs. And, I, did, and Marini, I didn't mean for, Marini, for all of them. I said just this long list, this long li- this long list of players. I think Pochettino. He spent the last year. He, he'll have been looking at football all over the world. Who he could bring in, and, and you mentioned Alderweireld at Tottenham. I don't think he'd work with anybody else he'd signed at Tottenham. And when you look at the young players he did bring in, you know, no one thought Ali or Dyer would do the things they did, or. or um, I suppose he helped bring Kane on, and maybe he's going to look at actually what he can do with. But but it doesn't necessarily mean he won't raid the Prem, though. It, it could be a separate argument in the sense that he doesn't have to just raid Spurs. He could raid from teams that he thought um, had good players, and he now has the budget for. I don't think Luke's point initially is a lazy argument at all because I still think there's quality and there's value for money in the Premier League. If you're, he's if, not, if you're definitely not value for money in the Premier League. He's not going to be raiding Liga and put it that exactly. way. Um, if you're buying, if you're buying from a foreign club, there is better value for money in the Premier League than if you're buying from an English club. He's now at a club that has basically an unlimited budget. They've got the two highest transfers of all time. They've got a better team, um, and managers, successful managers, have succeeded by rebuying players that. They've either sold or worked with. Mourinho's done it. Matic, for example. I mean, you've, you've got Solskjaer did it at Mulder. That's a really poor example. He did it at Cardiff. I mean, it's a shame he didn't do it. Uh... You've just said successful managers buy players, and then you've told me Solskjaer's bought a bunch of Norwegians that got him relegated. He could have done Look, it when to he wins the Premier League this season. Manchester United. When he wins the but... Premier League this season, he'll be considered a success. Right. Anyway, <laughs> one bit, one one more big manager movement this week is, of course, none other than Mr. Jerry Barton, who's uh, who's left Fleetwood with immediate effect. Uh, obviously, we all know Jerry Barton's a, a massive character in football. You know, from from his Marseille French accent um, when he was speaking in English uh, <laughs> to his red card in the infamous Man City QPR game that arguably helped Man City go on and win the Premier yeah. League that day, much to uh, Dan's yeah, dismay. But um. 
I mean, the rumours, this, this is quite a big one, you know, because it, it involves um, none other than Chet Evans as well. Um, the rumours are that Jerry Barton's fallen out with Chet Evans, sacked him, and then obviously the board's got annoyed at Barton and now he's left. So, I mean, he, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens next because he's, he's a theory character and you might argue that works against him in looking for a job, but there's no doubt he's done very well with a Fleetwood team. Uh, you know, he, he's got them up into the playoffs, Um Arguably, it's it's just, it's a difficult one because he, he started there, whereas you know someone like Frank Lampard started at Derby and done arguably a worse job and ended up at Chelsea. But I'm just not sure where Barton goes next. I think with Barton, I think you'll find because the thing is, it's not it's not plucky little Fleetwood. They've got one of the the biggest wage budgets in the division, and and when you look at some of the players they've brought in, they managed to attract. Um, they brought in Coyle from from Leeds, who who I know Sundlum are interested in. Maybe that shows, maybe the transformation he's done. Someone would pick Fleetwood over Sunderland. He's at Evans up front. He, he's um, he's at Paddy Madden as well. So he's, he's got some goals, but he's been there quite a while now. And I'm sure no one's surprised that he's rubbed a few people up the wrong way. There's there's a funny story about apparently what was the final straw for Evans with him. Uh, Dressing, but apparently him being told off for wearing glo- of gloves and tights in training, and uh, apparently he's put pictures up of Barton and his coaching staff were wearing tights and gloves in uh, when they were training as players, and obviously you can imagine Barton's reaction to that. Um, I, I get, like I said, I think you've got to see what what the next manager does at, at, at Fleetwood to fully assess how successful they've been because um, getting thrashed by Wickham a bit with little preparation you know if, if he'd got them up into the championship I think maybe championship clubs would be looking at him I'm not so sure any championship clubs are looking for him now and I think he'd expect a bit of money to play with which isn't quite the case in League One if he if he went to someone in that league but I'm not sure where he goes it's better Yeah I, I think I think it will be interesting to see how Fleet would do. I, I do think he's done a good job. You know, it, it's it's one of them where, you know, if you're a, a Lampard or a Gerard, you might get more of a chance. But he's a, he's a Jerry Barton and, you know, he's probably going to be languishing in the, the lower leagues for a while yet. Uh, I mean, the Chet Evans story is definitely funny. And, you know, he's he's a good player and you, you can understand why the board's annoyed that he's let him go after they've fallen out. But um, it will interest, it'll be interesting to see where he goes as well next because obviously he's a very controversial character um, but it sounds like he might be getting a step up to the championship the thing is you do say though is something else has got to have happened because there's no way they'd sack Evans and then two weeks later be like actually we're going to sack Barton and back Evans well the, the thing is you know uh, Joey Barton obviously he punched a Barnsley manager what was it two seasons ago and they, they didn't worry about that and you know there was allegedly Mr Sawyer I thought he ended up getting arrested for it <laughs> but there was well, there was big issues between Chol and Fleetwood as well he's, he seems I mean Lee Bowyer is obviously a, a fiery character as well but you know when you're falling out of this many managers in the league there's alleged rumours of you punching them like I remember Chol and Fleetwood you know there was, there was big big brawl there but um, you, you're doing. It's just not what you want from your manager, is it, to be causing this many issues? This is an interesting debate, though. When you're talking about languishing in the lower leagues, and your point about how if he was a Frank Lampard or a club legend anywhere, he'd have got more opportunities. Well, I, I mainly I, just say that because you know Frank Frank Lampard 
took a playoff derby team to playoffs. Got, and... got got a load of favors from you know Chelsea and Premier League clubs. Got a load of good loans and like Mason Mount wasn't. Unreal loan signing, but he only got that really because he's he's a Chelsea legend. And Wilson as well, and he's taken them he's taken them to the playoffs. Granted, he took them to the final and nearly to the Premier League, but I mean, you look at Derby now, and you'd argue that his achievement was great. But you could also argue that you know Frank Lampard's done a what an Alan Pardew did at Charlton, overspent, destroyed the club's finances, and now now they're languishing towards the bottom of the league. Well, when you look at points per matches, just to go back to your initial point. Um, Barton's is lower than Lampard's at Derby, but over 128 games at Fleetwood, he's averaged at 1.51 points per game. Whereas Lampard at Derby over 57 matches averaged 1.63 points per ma- uh, points per game. Now, the the crucial stat isn't actually the stat in that point. The, the fact is that Derby are a team, like you said, who were looking for playoffs, who were in the playoffs, and were expected to win games. No one really much expected of Fleetwood. Like expected much of Fleetwood, even. Um, so, could you argue there that that Barton did a better job at Fleetwood than than Lampard did at Derby? I think you probably could. I think you definitely could. I mean, obviously, Frank Lampard's got the Chelsea job because of who he who he is. Like any other manager who got sick for Derby would not be ending up managing Chelsea. Put it that way. Same but, with Ollie. Absolutely. Yeah, same with Ollie. One one thing I will say is, you know, uh, Steven Gerrard is he's done a fantastic job and. You know, if, if Klopp does move on and Steven Gerrard's still doing what he's doing at Rangers, I mean, I, I'd probably argue he deserves a job. Obviously, you could say he's going to get it because he's a club legend, but I mean, he's literally turned the SBL on its head and they're firing in Europe as well. And, you know, Scottish football has struggled in Europe for, for quite a few years. And, you know, they're going into games against some big teams from Portugal and they're, they're favourite. Well, they're not necessarily favourites, but they're going in and getting very, very good results and whereas Scotland obviously struggled massively in Europa League this year it is it does obviously the age old debate about whether good players make good managers um and you'd, I, you I could think argue one th- those three people were they all had a career at the elite level Two yeah. of them obviously won lots of trophies Barton didn't but he was he was still someone that played in the Premier League for pretty much his entire career apart from when he went to Rangers funnily enough I think it's not necessarily good players make good managers, but you know, if you're a good player, you probably played under a good manager, and you can pick up stuff from that manager. Like Lee Boyer under, well, he played under Sir Bobby Robson, one of the greatest managers of all time. Solskjaer obviously uh, played under Ferguson. Gerard probably not as as great, but you know, he did he did play under some good managers, and you can learn when you're a player. And if you put that into practice when you become a manager yourself, what what worked for me. Oh, uh, you know, Rafa Benitez did this, you know, it really inspired the squad. That's how he ended up winning the Champions League. Gerald goes and uses those when he's at Rangers and fires up the squad. Absolutely. I'd, it'd be very interesting to see see Joey Barton as manager of Rangers. Because I also think that, like you said... I think Joe, that's a natural step, funny enough. But, I think Joey it, Barton is a very Rangers-esque manager. But it's but... not a poison chalice in the sense that... There's no way they'll well, exactly. Back. There's no. But is it not a poison chalice? The next person that goes into Rangers because Gerard has defied expectations. Yes, he's been given time and, and a fair bit of money, not loads of money, but he's been given more money than the previous managers because obviously they were in a pretty poor situation when he took over, having gone back up all the leagues. But yeah, I think Celtic I think one thing they were Neil Lennon's not a brilliant manager in my opinion. I don't think he's done really anything to deserve the Celtic job 
I mean, it's hard to judge. He's won however many league titles in a row, but you know, it's, it's just kind of been on the plate for him. They've they've not really impressed in Europe as such. But I'm pretty sure. I, feel, I think I, I think the thing those league titles with Celtic. Mm, I think the honest. thing with Rangers now is that they're more established. People are more expectant. Like, uh, I mean, as as a Charlton fan, obviously I keep an eye on Joe Rebo. He's playing for Rangers now, and I was checking Twitter on um, Saturday during the Old Firm derby. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember now. But um, I was checking Twitter, Rebo's name, and he's getting an absolute slating. And you're like, come on, you're like 19 points clear at the top of the league. You're drawing nil nil against Celtic, and the fans are still getting on on the players' backs and the managers' back. Like, um, they're, they're a very expectant set of fans. And you know, you mentioned a bit of a poison chalice. The next manager who's going to come in is, is going to struggle if he doesn't win every game because. You can't be going to games against teams like St. Mirren in the SBL being Celtic or Rangers and getting a draw. It's just not acceptable. No, but could you not say that they all, that the fact that Gerard uh, has got Rangers back to well, if, if we're assuming they win the league, they're in the Champions League. He's not going anywhere. If they get to the Champions League group stage next season, and they've already beaten sides in the Europa League who you would argue are the calibre or even not as good as the teams that they've beaten in the Europa League and the Champions League qualifiers is, is, is Gerard getting Rangers back to winning a title in the Champions League that's where Rangers should be are they not able to get someone that's actually a bigger name than than um, Steven Gerrard managing well, I think it, I think it will help, help them attract more players you, you look back at the days when you know the SPL could attract great players like Henrik Larsson, etc. And nowadays, you you know, um, Joe Rebo, it was between Brentford and Rangers for him. And, you know, he's be- gone on to become a regular starter for Rangers. And uh, as much as it is funny to see, it's, it's not how it should be. Rangers should not be competing with championship clubs for League One players. You'd like to hope if Rangers can establish themselves in the Champions League and Celtic, you know, can up their game and, be more of a challenge, which obviously I know they have been the last few seasons. We can look forward to seeing some some good players north of the border and Scottish football getting back to where it belongs. And, and Rangers have helped that a lot. You know, this whole UEFA coefficient, each country gets a certain amount of places in the Premier, in the Champions League, Europa League, and now this new Conference League. Rangers carry on doing what they're doing. They they earn uh, Scotland more places, and that can only go go on to do big and better things. I think they're overtaking Ukraine now, and you know they've got Shakhtar and yes, Dinamo Kiev, some very good teams. It shows you know Scottish football is on the rise again, and I think that's good good to see. It's, it's an interesting one though when we talk about Gerard because from my point of view, it feels like he's being set up much like Pep Guardiola was by City hiring all the all the Barcelona directors and stuff, but he's being set up as the replacement for Klopp. Now, could that not result in both clubs not getting what they want? In the sense that going to Jer- going to Liverpool after Klopp is probably as much of a poison chalice um, as someone like a Joey Barton going to Rangers after Gerrard. In the sense that uh, Liverpool are going to be in a position where they've they've won a Premier League for the first time in God knows how many years. Fell up with the stat now. Um, they've won another Champions League. They put, they should win another Premier League this season if they can sort out um, scoring again. And to go into a Liverpool team that's had such success as the past has shown um, isn't isn't potentially a very good idea. I know Liverpool like to hire managers that are you know one of their own, and they made the exceptions with with um, Benitez and Julier and a few others. But like 
is it the but is it the best move for Gerard to leave a place where he's having such success or you know, should be having such success if they can see it out this season, to go to a the club thing... that's gone from being a sleeping giant to now one of Europe's best again. The thing is, I think the board don't see it that way. I don't think the board at Liverpool are necessarily touting Gerrard as the clock replacement. I also think the clock replacement is still a few years down the line. Um, I, I think the board at Liverpool, they're very one-dimensional businessmen. I, I don't think they're going to pluck, pl- uh, pluck a, a manager from Rangers. I think they're going to look for the best in Europe. But I don't, I don't think Gerard leaves Rangers for anyone other than Liverpool. And I think if he goes and wins the league this season, and like Alex says, gets into the Champions League group stages next season, and potentially retains the league, is he not, in the eyes of many Liverpool fans, and when Klopp eventually leaves, because he will do, is he not the perfect replacement for the board to go and get? I mean, obviously, I've, I know I'm contradicting what I've just said in the sense that I personally think it's a bit of a poison chalice. But will many people not be clamouring for Gerard? And do you reckon Gerard is, is thinking about that? Because I think he is. I think that's his ultimate. I mean, I mean, I think, Gerard I think... definitely wants it. There's no way about that. He's definitely got unfinished business at Liverpool. I, I just don't know if the current way the board is very business minded are going to pluck a ra- uh, Rangers manager, regardless of the fact it's Steven Gerrard. I, I don't think that they're like Chelsea. Well, Chelsea, in that sense. well, Chelsea went and got a derby man, but and I'd say Roman Abramovich is is way more. Um, not thinking, you know, doesn't think about the whole romantic thing of it as much as Liverpool do. I mean, you're talking about some Liverpool owners that actually have already reappointed Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, exactly. um, they're not. They're, I don't think they're not as sentimental as maybe you're making out. But the problem is, is I mean, if you if you went more short term, um, because I think the issue we've got here is we're we're presuming Klopp stays another couple of years, Gerard wins a few more league titles. It looks inevitable. That's if you think, would Gerard leave Rangers and all the trophies to go to a, a I don't know, maybe a Leicester type I, team? I just don't see it. But I don't see him going to anybody other than Liverpool. I think I think there's, there's only so far into the future you can look at. The rumours this week were with uh, Frank Lampard with his four defeats in six. And actually, they were saying Chelsea have been looking around at potential replacements and I'd probably say that's the right kind of words because when you, I'm not sure who on the market you can instantly go. That's an elite level manager that an elite thinking team is going to go and get. But that's the issue. I just like you say. I don't. I don't see Gerard leaving for a for a team that aren't winning things. Yeah. And the obvious, the obvious solution to that is eventually replacing Klopp. And I, I don't. I don't see how that doesn't happen. I don't see how Liverpool don't don't employ him. But they like getting managers that were one of their own. They've, you know, they were very famous for that during their most successful period. Um, to their detriment at times with people like Graham Souness. But they've it... all of them were involved in the same successful successful sides. That they knew what it took. Gerard, apart from potentially a year max when they were back finishing. I think was it in his first, maybe he's sixteen, seventeen. Was it when Gerard was coaching the kids for a yeah. bit? He's had nothing to do with it. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one with Gerard. Um, but I think some other bright spark going to come on the scene by then. And maybe if Gerard doesn't, I mean, you'd assume Celtic aren't just going instantly going to come back 
from this to next season because Rangers are, are a much better side across the board. Not that I think they'll win every trophy, but Celtic have a problem here because they did go nostalgic with Neil Lennon. And that, well, yeah, they did the quadruple treble with him winning about the last three, wasn't it? Four. Three or four. Well, 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 no, because Rogers started it. I think Rogers won the first seven or eight trophies. Well, he's won what? He's won one and this then season. Lennon's won the last. Lennon's won the last four. He's won one from. He's won one this season that was from last season, which took me a while to get my head around. Yeah, he won. He won the. He won the treble last season, and then the season before he won. I think two of the trophies that would have been Rogers, if you. Oh. But then we, I tr- it's it's it all blends into one now. But then, doesn't it? But then but we yeah. say about, you know, obviously managers not leaving teams that are having success for a team like a Leicester. Brendan Rogers did exactly that. He won countless trophies. And he claimed to be a, a Celtic boy, a Celtic fan as well. <laughs> yeah, I damn if you believe that, considering he's not Scottish. But there you go. Well, he's, he's Northern Irish and a lot of their support is uh, that way, isn't he? But uh, yeah, I know managers will say things, but Rog- Rogers is a very ruthless manager. He, he is in it to, to enhance his own career. And I think it, it, it's more than paid off his Leicester job. And then with Gerard, it, it just gets, I think, the case. Does he get tired of winning all the cups and, and does he want a new challenge? And, and speaking of cups, of course, the most famous, well-renowned competition is back this week with the third round. There's some big ties there with Marine, the lowest-ranked side, taking on Tottenham, the biggest gap ever, thanks to Luke dropping that in, telling me this week. Uh, where do you fellas think uh, the interesting games are in the FA Cup this this week? Well, we're, think... still, we're still in it, so I'd like us to beat Watford. Still in it? It's your first fucking round. Well, exactly. We're still in it. You say it like it's an achievement. I, I think <laughs> I think the Marine-Tottenham game is, is definitely going to be an interesting one. Obviously, Tottenham are almost certainly going to win it, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a real shame for Marine. Obviously, their fans can't attend, but um, their pitch is like at the back of people's garden, so people can at least watch it from their garden, which is going to be funny to see. You just don't really get often get to see like big clubs like Tottenham going... Uh, to grounds like that. I think for me, um, a potential banana skin is going to be Stockport West Ham. I think it's always hard to say because you never know which managers are like, oh, focus on the league, literally make 11 changes, not just make 11 changes, but, you know, they're plucked out of the uh, under-21s who wouldn't even get into the matchday squad usually in West Ham. Strike me as a team. David Moyes uh, strikes me as a manager who's going to probably do that and West Ham always kind of slip up so you know Stockport West Ham would, would be a massive one considering where Stockport are but I, I'm going to call that well West West Ham got knocked out by Wimbledon a couple of years ago comfortably as well was, yeah that, but that was with a Pellegrini who he, he'd always name kids in the starting 11 wouldn't he and you know they'd have all these number 36 and 42 yeah. and 59s playing for him um, Moyes got knocked out by then Championship West Brom last year. And then if you want to go long enough back, of course, they lost 5-0 to, to Forest. So, uh, yes, maybe... Of course, I'm not saying Stockport County are as good as that Forest team. But, um, yeah, I think it's there's a few interesting ones. I think with Marine, is this, is this one where the story ends and, and they end up losing? I don't know. Is, is this one where they could lose about 8-9-0? I mean... <laughs> Depending on who's put out in this starting eleven for some yeah, what, the, the question is Marine or Mourinho, and uh, 
if someone isn't using that headline this week, I'm very disappointed because as we all of us who have watched Peep Show, I don't know if you two have. You know, Jeremy relied on the three O Walcott, yeah. three O Walcott uh, reference for Theo Walcott turning thirty, but I think that's a better headline. But One. I don't think I don't think Marina are going to bring any upsets. Mourinho will probably rest players. Um, probably might play Dele Alli. Well, I'd, I'd be insulted if I was Dele Alli. The only game I'm good enough for is Marine in the FA Cup. But you know, it, it is what it is. Um, One. I think the thing for Marine is is. I mean, um, I'm not sure what the government guidance on this is, but only elite football is allowed to carry on and then obviously not elite football. So it's, are they allowed to train together for the FA Cup game this weekend? I'm assuming an exception will be made for that. But imagine all of a sudden they beat Tottenham, get to the fourth round and, you know, they're not elite footballers, so they're not allowed to train together in preparation for the fourth round. No, they, no they, had, they had this before the, the, F, the FA Cup's deemed an elite competition, so uh, they'll be fine. But they've had a couple of games off recently with um, frozen pitches and things like that. They haven't played in a couple of weeks, so maybe that that might come in. Well, is their pitch going to be frozen this week? They can do to compete with Tottenham. One <laughs> one team I will tell you to look out for is uh, Chorley. Uh, they're playing in the National League North right now. However, they've already knocked out um, Peterborough and Wigan, and they've got Derby in the next round. And you know, uh, obviously there is obviously a huge golfing class between League One and the Championship. But you got Peterborough towards the top end of League One, and Derby towards the top end, uh, bottom end of the Championship. So I wouldn't say there's a ridiculous amount of difference between the two teams. So they are definitely capable of knocking out uh, Derby County there. And I think Derby Wayne Rooney will want to avoid losing, but you know he's also very wary that they're in a relegation battle, and he might rest rest his team a bit. That's why I'm, I'm predicting Sheffield United to lose, actually. Um, I, I think Sheffield United is an interesting one because this is, well, he's been waiting for six months, but uh, if he wins this, it's as, it's wild as a hundredth win. Yeah, it's Bristol um, Rose away, though. So I think this is, well, this is where we see, this is where we see how low the morale and the confidence is because if they can't get a result against Bristol Rovers you really do start worrying about, you know, where they're going in terms of... They've done well to be kept in games so far, but if they can't beat Bristol Rovers, and I don't think there's any replay, so we'll have to be doing yeah, it's one. It's one. It's like the Carabao Cup semi. It's only one game this year, which actually helps us. But yeah, if it's a fair point, I mean, could Wilder be sacked if they lose, potentially? I think Lampard would definitely be sacked if they lose to Morecambe. I think he's in serious trouble if that uh, happens to... I think... I think the thing is, is he like, I mean, it's it's a freak result if they lose to Morecambe. I'm not sure that will be the tipping point. Um, I, I don't know if Alex... Five defeats in seven isn't a I don't know if Alex, And you're expected to win trophies and that's probably yeah. the one they're most likely to win. So I don't know if Alex knows of any managers that have been sacked after losing FA Cup, Cup games. I mean, uh, Chris Powell was sacked from Charlton after losing the FA Cup quarterfinal to... League One, Sheffield United with the chance to go to Wembley for uh, the semi-final. We, but... we had a manager sacked. The thing is, the thing is with Lampard. The thing is with Lampard, though, it, it, it is, it's, it's not the result in isolation. I, I was actually at a match where a Premier League manager was sacked after losing to League Two opposition, um, and uh, they they had to get the. Uh, coach brought round to a different exit because the fans were, were hounding him out and that was Mark Hughes when Stoke lost at Coventry. <laughs> um, I think that really was the, the, the icing on the cake of that they were struggling in the league and then the fact they couldn't beat um, 
a League Two side with, you know, future Champions League uh, finalist Eric Maxim Chupamoti on the pitch. PSG, um, yeah, I think they, uh, I, I, I think, well, that, that was the, exa- I think that was one, an example you, that satisfied you, Luke, but uh, I think it's not, it's not the result in isolation. It's the fact that, yeah, where, where is It's also interesting going? to just kiss and say whether the bigger clubs actually take this competition as seriously anymore. Um, I think they, I, mean, I think they do. I mean, lose. you look at you look but at the semi finalists. You look at the semi finalists of the last, I don't know, like six or seven years, and you know, it's it's pretty much always your your big clubs. It, they might not take the first rounds, uh, the third round as seriously as they used to, but you know, it's it's the Premier League now. I mean, sadly, the TV money and the money pumped into that league has got to a point where there's just such a golfing class between the Premier League and. The rest of the English leagues, uh, you know, they don't need to play their first team. They can comfortably play their reserves and yeah, but- usually get the results. So you, you're never going to expect you can you cannot expect Man U to be losing to Watford. You know they're going to win that. They might play it. Don't say that. Don't say that. For <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> I mean, you have got um, Ben Foster making his return to Old Trafford. So, you know. And he'll vlog it. He's got a nice vlogging channel. You should check it out. Yeah, of which um, um, Swansea's Jamal like, uh, celebrating in front of the GoPro camera. So check that out. Class. But I, my point is more more of the boards take it as seriously. We sacked Louis van Gaal hours after winning the FA Cup. Um, if Lampard gets gets knocked out of the FA Cup, are the board going to be that bothered? If he wins the FA Cup, are the board going to be that bothered? Is it, is it, has it got the same prestige for boards nowadays? I don't think it has. The, the competition money isn't great. I mean, it's great for the lower league teams. I feel really sorry for Marie. I think this depends who you're talking about. I think, I think unfortunately, the, um, Man City just see it part of a treble. Man United and, and Man United and Chelsea, Liverpool, Klopp's never done anything in it. Arsenal see it as their one piece of success. <laughs> well, apart from that, I think I think I think any other team. Careful, Arsenal fan TV will be on your back now. It's the only thing they win. Um, yeah, exactly. But I think any, every other team they take it seriously. I mean, if if you do go on to the the League Cup game tonight, um, Mourinho has said that. This match against you know little little Brentford um, is his biggest match as Tottenham manager. Well, and the fact is, is these clubs need to. The fact is, these clubs need to win trophies. Exactly. That that's the end. I'd, of the I'd argue his, his biggest match is more Marine. If they lose to them, then Jesus Christ, that could be a bit of a. But he's not on the brink of a final with that. No, is true. It? Which is what, which ultimately Mourinho, he's been brought in to win win a cup. And if he's not beating Brentford, and he's, then he's won. not winning. He's not winning. He's won the, cup he's won the league cup at, as his first trophy at every English club he's been at. So, I mean, I know the English clubs put, you know, consist of Chelsea, United, and Chelsea, but still, that's three. That's three different occasions where he's gone in, and the first trophy he's won has been the league cup. Now, are we talking about you're not a fan of the Community Shield. Well, we're not including that. Um, what? I do feel sorry for when we talk about the whole money thing and the lack of fans and all that is the money that Marine could have made from fans being in the stadium um, against a team like Tottenham would have been astronomical compared, so, to what, compared to what they normally get. So I feel I do feel a bit sorry for them. So when this actually happened here, I mean, it's obviously it was at Marine's ground. Um, so obviously they were never going to... Um, Get loads of ticket revenue. What they've done is they've um, set this uh, not this match day ticket up as such um, for people to buy. It's kind of like a way of donating 
money to Marine, and I think Spurs fans have, have retweeted t- retweeted it a lot. A lot of them are buying it. Spurs actually did the same um, to Leighton Orient earlier this season. Leighton Orient drew, drew Tottenham in the uh, Carabao Cup, but unfortunately Leighton Orient had to uh, award Spurs a buy because of coronavirus. Um, Spurs fans went to the club shop and helped Leighton Orient out a lot. They're doing the same for Marine now, so I'm hoping that you know that that will cover any any tickets and maybe even going above above and beyond that. And obviously they're getting the TV money as well. So and the money just for being in the in the third round. This is this is absolutely huge for Marine. I think they're still going to benefit very well financially out of this situation. Well, and so they should as well. Which is great, so, yeah, fantastic. So they yeah. They've got through so many qualifying rounds to get to this stage. They deserve their their moment in the in the sun. Um, and. I mean, they're two rounds further than Charlton, which is embarrassing for us. But I mean, huge, huge respect well, Marine, to them. Mourinho's yeah. got previous of losing to lower league opposition um, with Bradford. So, you know, I know this is a massive, massive golfing class. You were telling me earlier, it's the biggest ever gap in FA Cup history in terms of the two teams and divisions. So, I mean, this is a team, a league above hashtag United. Yeah, which... Or a tier, a step. Which is absolutely oh. mental that they're now playing the mighty Tottenham Hotspur and the a Jose Mourinho team that are desperate for a trophy. I mean, it, it, it will be interesting. I think, obviously, we know Spurs are going to win and going to win comfortably. But, you know, when you're Marine, like, how do you set up? I mean, the adrenaline must be absolutely going crazy before the game. Uh, I mean... I don't think they'll set up defensively. I think they'll go all guns blazing. Obviously, probably get a bit tired by like 60th minute and fall apart. But, you know, if they could nick a goal at the start, that, that would just be sensational. A, 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 just a cross, like a long punt that goes in, you know, it'd be absolutely amazing for them. But it's, it'll be interesting I mean, to see how, how they do. Jose Mourinho is renowned for being the special one, but this would be the most special, special, even if they take it to penalties, the most special result in FA Cup history. Um, off without that. So, you know, fingers crossed that Marine can can do something. Now, there is another team that, rightly or wrongly, may, may be subject to a, a, a to a upset, and it's actually Manchester City. Now, I know that may not sound particularly feasible, but Man City aren't always great in the FA Cup. I mean, yes, they won it a couple of years on the trot under Pep, but they have lost to Wigan previously, um, and. Do you know what? Birmingham City are probably of a similar level. So, could could that be possible? I feel like Birmingham City, I I mean, I just feel like they're one of the teams that just bottle these kind of games, to be honest. Wigan always seem to be able to pull something out of their ass, but I mean, obviously Birmingham did win the League Cup, so I might be talking crap here. Yeah, exactly, over Fabi Martins. On that front, actually, just briefly, can you believe, right, that over Fabi Martins, who won... Birmingham City, a League Cup, which is not something they do very often, who had the same shirt number as Jude Bellingham, has had that shirt number retired by a guy who made 30 first-team appearances. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very... It's a bit of a, a crazy, crazy decision. I guess it was uh, meant to be reflective of the players they've produced from their academy as a whole. I mean, it's going to backfire even in a few years. You know, Jude Bellingham's flopped at Borussia Dortmund and he's back playing for Stockport County in the conference. Yeah, well, your, your predictions you, you, aren't great. You said Rashford would end up at Scunthorpe, so I don't think that's going to I did, also, I did also tell you that Cameron Borthwick-Jackson would end up at Scunthorpe and he did end up at Scunthorpe. So. A one-in-two success rate. So every I'm, not, I'm, not predicting, I'm not predicting Bellingham to flop. He looks like a very good player, but, you know, 
if if you end up retiring a shirt for a player who ends up back like, at a championship level standard, it, it's going to look a bit even sillier than it is right now. But you know, he's he's even got his England call up already. So I'd be raging if I was over Fabi Martins. That's all I'm saying on the matter. Absolutely. Do you think he even knows? <laughs> I think probably. I, th- not. I think he's probably. <laughs> I think he's probably been tweeting it. If he's got Twitter, I don't know if he's got Twitter or not. But uh, you know, not not a great look, is it? No, but back back to the the Birmingham game. I mean, they've been in dreadful form. I think they've won one of their last twelve or something along those lines. And actually, Itakarenk has not had any uh, kind of reaction there. But I think. Really, Birmingham. Unfortunately, I mean, when we were growing up, they they were. I think they were, well, I'd say they were a Premier League team. They were in it went throughout the noughties, but they're just bottom half Championship cannon fodder now. And I think, uh, well, yeah, on the back of that, they're either going to lose six nil or win three nil, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you might say the magic's died a bit, but I'm, I'm always looking forward to fair around weekend and. Especially, I think this one's one of the best for years. There's such uh, good ties, potential shocks. Often, often at the third round, you find that there's there's literally next to no non-league teams in. But you know, there's there's a couple still in. So I, I think it's going to be a good weekend of football, especially when we have got nothing else to do. You know, so yeah. Well, for me and you in particular, you're you've got COVID, and I'm self-isolating for for over a week. So you know, it's it's going to be good for us actually in terms of at least there's something something positive happening yeah. and at least the government even though we've just gone into a national lockdown has allowed elite sport to continue I think that's the right decision obviously it's a kick in the teeth for any semi-pro team um, but unfortunately it's just how it is isn't it so one of those one of those situations I guess yeah so I guess so I guess finally on the back of that with with the two League Cup games Tonight and tomorrow, as we're recording, where do we see them going? I guess one is a bit more debate than the other, isn't it, Dan? Um, oh, yeah, just a little. Go on, Luke, you first. I mean, if you, if we're just going for quick predictions, I think, you know, tottenham Brentford will be closer than most people think. Um, but I do think, you know, Mourinho is, is not going to lose that game. It's such a big game. It, it might be the League Cup, but, you know, Tottenham haven't won a trophy in so many years. and This is a fantastic chance for them. I think Tottenham are definitely going to edge that. The Manchester derby is definitely going to be interesting, but I personally just can't see anything apart from a, a City win. Um, the, the one leg obviously favours United because City, you'd argue, would definitely win over two legs. But I'm, I'm still, I'm still backing City, but I, I'm not ruling out a Manchester United victory. You, you say that, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the only manager in history to beat Guardiola three times in one season. We played them four times last season and won on three occasions. Um, I definitely wouldn't rule us out. I mean, yes, we've not been brilliant against the, the top, the you know the traditional top six teams this year. We've actually been pretty poor, um, but it's a Manchester derby, and we've got anything can happen exactly. And if we if we turn up, um, there is every chance we can win, and we need to end this semi final hoodoo because it's just ridiculous. Four semi finals and four defeats would um, is not going to look good, especially when you go, he needs to win a trophy. He's in a similar boat to Mourinho, really. He needs to win something this year, I think, um, to take the pressure off. I personally wouldn't sack him, even if he didn't. However, I think opposition fans will get on his back if we, you know, bottle a title charge, even though we've not actually bottled anything. Um, And 
don't win in the Europa League, FA Cup or League Cup. So I think he it's in his best interest to, to really go for this. And in terms of cup upsets on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we play Watford, if we lose that game and he loses the Manchester derby, he could be under a, a fair bit of pressure, considering, um, which is actually mental to say, considering we're, you know, obviously title contenders as it stands. Um, but it's a big week for United. However, if we do get some penalties, which is a, which is an interesting one, uh, if we get some penalties, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll do all right. And in response to Jurgen Klopp's uh, rather ridiculous statement that they don't get penalties, they've actually had one less than us in the Premier League this year. We've had six, and they've had five. So, cheers for that, Jurgen. I'll, I'll take it take it on board and, and completely. I think penalties is such a, a weird topic. Obviously, you know, winning so many over the years is, is going to be nothing but beneficial. Um, whether you've had more favourable treatment or not is an interesting question. Um, but, but you know, um, I, I guess you'd argue that you'd expect a team like Man U to be winning more penalties because you got, uh, you're always, well, <laughs> back in the day, you'd always be attacking and always in the box. I mean, I'm, I remember Charlton went to two seasons without winning a single penalty. But when I look back on those two seasons, we had about one attack every game. So it's not really a surprise. Um, when the numbers do differ as much as they do, you, you do have to question it. And, you know, whether Man you have got players that go down easily, you could argue all day, but then Liverpool have obviously got the same. You know, Salah is likely to fall over at any kind of touch. So I, I, I just don't know why. I'd, I'd take the point from last season, because obviously last year we had the most in Premier League history. We had 14 Premier League penalties and they had five. And obviously there's a there's a big gap there. But even still, City had 11 penalties last season. This season, we're not even top for penalties one. Leicester have had 10. So Leicester, Leicester are four away from beating last year's record. But nobody's talking about Leicester. So I think I think it's just sour grapes a little bit. But again, he's taking the pressure off his team. Ferguson would do it all the time. He'd come out and, and moan at referees or he'd moan at yeah. anybody else. The television schedule, the, the fixture schedule. Anything he could moan about, he'd moan about because he takes the pressure off his players. And quite frankly, yesterday was an abject performance and the pressure should be on those players because they've been poor for the last three games. I think that's definitely the case, yeah. I think it's a very easy way to, you know, distract attention from a poor performance, pass pass the blame a bit. Um, it's done exactly that because we're talking about it right now. Um, one thing I will say is, is I do think, you know, uh, with the introduction of VAR, it, it should should remove all these kind of discrepancies with, you know, Manchester United winning more penalties than other teams. But, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, teams, the big teams are going to win more penalties because they're going to be attacking more. It's, it's kind of as simple as that. Which is right? why Sunderland are winning so many, isn't it, Alex? <laughs> well, games or penalties? Which, um, we, we, we got a couple of penalties, I think, but um, we're on another 10-day break now. So, we'll take that and then we'll quite happily play three games a week for the next six months just to fit them in. And if not, we'll uh, make sure we're about 0.1% short of uh, the playoffs and any points per game. Hopefully it doesn't go to points per game uh, like last season. Points per game obviously ended the season last season and it's going to end our podcast today. So thank you everyone for listening and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Dan and Alex.